Hi guys, it's your host Kayla here, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the theme of civility between Shakespeare's The Tempest, published in 1623, and Jean Reese's White Sargasso Sea, published in 1966. We'll hold a magnifying glass to the intricacy of acting with and without civility. The Tempest is a play of not only power struggle, but revenge. Caliban is a native on an island, and the dukes and aristocracy of Milan, as well as Naples, are in a feud over who has the right to control the territory. The protagonist Prospero spends the duration of the play trying to outwit his enemies and sends them through a series of tests. All the colonizing powers treat Caliban with little to no respect for his land or his well-being. Another perspective of civility is seen in the novel White Sargasso Sea, which takes the reader through the life of Antoinette Causeway, a girl of mixed heritage in post-colonial Jamaica. The novel shows her struggle to be the woman higher society expects her to be and the struggle to find control over her own life. So, Shakespeare, as long as we have you here, I'm sure the listeners would love to know how you view Caliban and if he's as animalistic as Prospero believes him to be. I would have to say that just because Caliban is used to living in a manner that is unknown to the rest of the world does not make him uncivilized. People like Prospero and Alonso, the king of Naples, were essentially intruding on Caliban's territory. They greeted him with hostility and their own preconceived notions of how wildlife on the island would behave. But don't you think that Caliban raping Miranda and acting simply on impulse proves that he is incapable of acting civilly? therefore justifying Prospero's attitude towards him? What one person may see as ugly can be viewed as beautiful by another. The object itself isn't changing, but the lens in which it is being seen is. Take the second scene, Act 1, where Prospero is talking to Caliban. Caliban tries to reciprocate the regalness that Prospero gives off when defending his land. He proclaims, The island's mine by Sycorax my mother, which thou takest from me. In this scene, the reader sees early on that Caliban is not just some caveman with no sense of being, he is merely a man who was wronged and retaliates differently than someone of Prospero's class is used to. I specifically implemented these short interactions between these two men to show that there is a certain level of legitimacy to Caliban's opposal. Throughout the play, we can also see that Prospero shares his language and tries to enforce his culture on Caliban. If he makes him more knowledgeable and transforms him into a more refined human being, is it not worth the loss of power? Although I do see a point, if we take a look at a key moment in Act 3, Scene 2, I'm sure you'll understand as to why Caliban throws civility to the wind. In an encounter with Stefano, Trinculo, and Ariel, I believe he says something like, I am subject to a tyrant, a sorcerer, that by his cunning hath cheated me of the island. If you think about it, How would you feel if someone came into your work one day and just started running you around as if you didn't already have a system and a schedule? Just because they don't understand the schedule doesn't mean that it doesn't work efficiently. Have you ever thought that it was Caliban who misunderstood the colonizers and that they truly did believe their way of life would better benefit the natives on the island? Whether they thought they were doing nothing wrong or not, they didn't act justly and it created a hostile environment for Caliban. How else would you expect him to react? This does not make him uncivil, it in fact makes him human. 
Well, I think I can speak on behalf of all our listeners today when I say that your insight and attention to detail has certainly given me a different perspective on how we view what is normal and what is accepted in society. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself. Now we'll hear from Jean Reese and find out what her take on civility looks like. Jean, welcome! We're so glad you could be here today. Thank you. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Well, let's just dive right in, shall we? Now, I understand that whether Antoinette Causeway suffers from a mental illness or not has become quite the controversial topic. What exactly did you intend for the readers to think after reading White Sargasso Sea? In all honesty, I kind of wanted the reader to decide for themselves if Antoinette was a product of her environment or if she was destined to go crazy. In my opinion, I see her more of a victim of circumstance. When I think about how neglected her needs were and how rejected she must feel as a child, I find her mental regression and questionable behavior that she displays towards the end of the novel is understandable. So you do believe that she was uncivil, but what you're saying is that she had events causing her to act without civility. You hit the hammer right on the nail there. Antoinette never never fit in with the white Jamaicans, but she also never found a place with the natives either. It didn't matter to either group that she was part of them in some way, not to mention that her entire life was decided for her. She didn't get to choose her husband, where she could live, and most of all, she didn't even get to control how her money was spent. The society she was brought into took one look at her family history and automatically decided that she was cursed. They didn't care if she was a good person or if she acted with civility. They all conjured an idea of what her life would be like and stuck by it. If all she ever knew growing up was that she would lose herself and that she was worth nothing, that's the only perspective she'll see. As you mentioned before, I think it's important to highlight that a great part of Antoinette's mental breakdown was the people in her life trying to control her every move. Even Rochester, her own husband, tried to dictate her life. Oh, that's right. One instance that always stuck with me was when Rochester starts to call her Bertha, even though she says that's not her name. Towards the end of the novel, while talking to Rochester, Antoinette tells him, Bertha is not my name. You're trying to make me into someone else, calling me by another's name. This is just one occurrence that built up Antoinette's resentment towards society and drove her to her breaking point. Her only choice and path to freedom was eventually death. If being civil means that we should just sit and let people walk all over us without any ever trying to fight back, then we are all uncivil. Wow, beautifully put. If you have time for one more question, I'm sure we're all curious to know, what was the significance of having Antoinette locked in an attic? Why not keep her in a mental institution or leave her in Jamaica? I wanted her captivity to symbolize the immobility that followed her life. I wanted the readers to see that she had no other way to be free than to leave her civility behind and do whatever she needed to survive her tragic world. The biting people and setting things on fire weren't uncivil acts, but progressive frustration finally being released. Similar to her parrot Coco, Antoinette lived a caged life, and since no one else was going to rescue her, she had to find her own way out as death. Well, thank you again for being with us today. We've learned so much. It was an honor to be here.
you've seen, these two great works, along with their talented authors, depict the theme of civility in a way that can still relate to the world today. We can apply the essence of civility to the countless terrorist attacks that always circle the news lines, as well as the raging wars in places like South Sudan and Iraq. Now, I'm not supporting terrorist attacks or anything of that sort, but when we look at the source of many wars and conflicts, they often begin with a greater power trying to take advantage of someone else. The terrorist group who attacked on 9-11, for example, believed that America was only using the Middle East for oil and using their soldiers to fight American battles indirectly. While no war can ever be considered civil, the people deemed uncultured and unruly are the same people that have been pushed past their breaking point. Just like Caliban, the rebels in Yemen were unsatisfied with how their government was leading their regime. They had a right to voice their ideas and opinions, and when they were constantly ignored and rejected, like Antoinette Causeway, they sought out different ways of communicating. They chose a language that couldn't be silenced, which in turn led to the uncivilized chaos it is today. We're fortunate enough to have both authors with us, so let's listen to their take on our modern world. In today's world, being civil and uncivil is a fine line. As I've seen, things often seem to escalate in a matter of seconds. We can't always see the minor progressions to being uncivilized or reverting to old ways, but we always notice when a town is being bombed or a student decides to shoot their fellow classmates. We don't know that the rebels or the barbarians have sat through countless meetings with officials and held strikes just to be noticed by society. We don't know that the student had been bullied every day for years and had no one to stick up for them. We deem someone uncivil the minute they can't keep all their feelings bottled inside any longer and express themselves in a less than acceptable way. Jean, how do you feel about today's civility? If I had to take a viewpoint on civility in our day-to-day lives, I would say that I agree with everything that has already been said, but I also think that in contrast to the characters that were mentioned, many conflicts begin with uncivilized behavior and have to work their way back to peace. There are a vast number of groups who see violence and oppression as an easy way to complete their mission and get their point across. I happen to think this makes other world powers view them in a way that they did not intend and instead of working towards whatever their goal is these groups create even more obstacles for themselves i just can't thank the both of you enough for being here today and sharing what marvelous wisdom you've obtained over the years Thank you for sharing your characters and your minds with me and with all of our loyal listeners. I'm sure that the one thing we will all take away from this session will be that we ourselves get to decide what is civil, what is acceptable, and how we choose to let those different than us revolve in our world. Do we cast them away and ignore their needs for the greater good? Or do we listen to their customs, traditions, and way of life? Do we reject their thoughts and ideas before we understand? Do we try and teach rather than enforce? And when they don't seem to want our assistance, do we impose it upon them or turn around and leave in peace? The answer to this is now simple. With writers like Jean Rhys and William Shakespeare here to constantly remind us, the answer that could be complicated is now simple. Thank you all for listening to Big Bertha Radio 
and I hope you'll tune in again next week. I'll leave you with this last question. Are you civil? <laughs>